Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for November 2. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. One of the conundrums of life is the oft irrational hostility towards the Christian faith. Yes, sadly, some professing Christians over the years have carried out terrible abuses. But the big picture is that over the centuries, God's people have shown care and compassion for the poor and the needy, exemplifying a facet of the public ministry of Jesus, seeking the welfare of the city. Ironically, but perhaps not surprisingly, the media, in all its forms, chooses to overlook such welfare. I say not surprisingly because people in every generation want to cut down anyone who threatens them. The Jewish leadership felt threatened by Jesus of Nazareth, so much so that they endeavoured to trap him with gotcha questions, which would discredit and destroy him. This was increasingly evident during the days before the Passover at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. In Luke chapter 20, verse 25, Jesus had responded to the question, Teacher, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor? With, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. Confounded by his answer, they were silenced. Nevertheless, despite this unexpected setback, the aggressive questioning continued. This time the Sadducees, another group of Jewish leaders, pressed him on the subject of the resurrection. The Sadducees were conservative aristocrats. The high priests were drawn from this group. Willing to work with the Roman authorities, their privileges were by and large protected. However, they were treated with suspicion by Jewish loyalists and pious Jewish people. In his Antiquities, Josephus tells us that the Sadducees only accepted the written scripture, not oral tradition, which the Pharisees accepted. However, the Sadducees denied life after death, and therefore resurrection. This was the question on which they challenged Jesus, as we read in Luke chapter 20 and verse 28. Luke chapter 20 verses 27 to 38. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die any more, because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. Using the law that required the brother of a man who died childless to take his brother's wife in marriage, Leveret Law, the Sadducees framed their question. Yet given that there are only a few recorded occasions of Leveret marriage, one being that of Ruth and Boaz in Ruth chapter 4, and that the practice seems to have been dropped by the time of the New Testament, their question was more hypothetical than real. They posed the question of seven brothers successively marrying the same woman. None of the marriages had produced any children. In turn, they asked Jesus whose wife the woman would be in the resurrection. Implying there could be no answer to their question, they used it to argue there could be no resurrection. But Jesus responded, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. His implication is clear. Given the successive marriages portrayed by the Sadducees, Jesus affirms the norm and the appropriateness of marriage between a man and a woman. Significantly, in saying this, he also confirms the creation order in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. But he didn't stop there. He continued by contrasting our present experience and that in the life to come. Those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, he said. In a tightly worded sentence, he affirmed the reality of life beyond death and also the resurrection. Life in the age to come will be significantly different for all who are considered worthy, he is saying. Not everyone will experience the new age and the resurrection. And his words here are consistent with the movement of thought that unfolds in the Gospel of Luke. Only those who have been rescued, as Jesus spoke about in chapter 19 and verse 10, will enjoy life and resurrection in the coming age. Marriage as we know it will no longer apply. It will no longer be needed, for they cannot die any more. One of the reasons for marriage is the procreation of children in a world where everyone dies. But in a world where death no longer reigns, marriage and the birth of children is no longer needed. Notice that Jesus doesn't say they no longer die, but rather they cannot die. In the coming age, we will share something in common with the angels. They are like the angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. The implication is that this reality will only be fully experienced at the resurrection from the dead. Only then will we know fullness of life as the sons and daughters of God, because we are children of the resurrection. So important was the question of resurrection, that Jesus used the opportunity to point out that it was implied in the Old Testament. Drawing from the scene when God revealed his name to Moses, that we read about in Exodus chapter 3, Jesus drew attention to God's description of himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Jesus then drew out the logic of God's word, saying, 
Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him all of them are alive. Think, Jesus is saying, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob were long dead when Moses was alive. If you follow the logic, the statement that God is the God of these men can only be true if they are alive, even though they have died. The alternative is to say that God is the God of people who no longer exist, which is nonsense. Luke then includes words not found in the other Gospels. For to him, that is to God, all of them are alive. To us, they are all dead. But that is not how God sees them. Death cannot break God's relationship with them. The Sadducees were silenced. And at least one other group, the scribes, who did not necessarily like the Sadducees, agreed. Teacher, you have spoken well, they said. They were pleased to see the Sadducees silenced, for they, the Sadducees, no longer dared to ask him another question. The 17th century mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal commented in his Pensee, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Christians, is a God of love and of comfort, a God who fills the soul and heart of those whom he possesses, a God who makes them conscious of their inward wretchedness and his infinite mercy, who unites himself to their inmost soul, who fills it with humility and joy, with confidence and love, who renders them incapable of any other end than himself. So let me pray. Merciful God, it is by your gift alone that your faithful people offer you true and pleasing service. Grant that we may so faithfully serve you in this life that we do not fail at the end to obtain your heavenly promises. Through the merits of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Teach us, gracious Lord, to begin our works with reverence, to go on in obedience and finish them with love, and then to wait patiently in hope and with cheerful countenance to look up to you whose promises are faithful and rewards infinite. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip each one of us with everything good, that we may do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Carol McCormick, a member of Emmanuel Anglican Church, New York City. The prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening and closing music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You may also like to listen to Christ is Risen, He is Risen Indeed, from Keith and Kristen Getty at gettymusic.com.